My name is Lowell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Centerpoint. I look forward to worshiping together every single week. I look forward to opening up God's Word and seeing what God has in store for us today. And I tell you, every single week, you may laugh at me and think I'm a little silly, but every single week when I come to church on that morning, I'm just convinced that this is the most important Sunday of the year. I'm just convinced that this is the moment that God has been waiting for to work in our lives. And I think we have, we're in store for that again. I really do. I do need to hit a couple of announcements. I always got to do that, okay? You know, there's a lot of things that go on around here. I don't know if you noticed, but it just seems like there's a, it's just things are always churning and happening. I was, I was really thankful for those that were, took part in the packing event yesterday. I didn't get to stay for very long of that, but it's just an encouragement to see some of you out there. I'll just quote Pastor Brock. Every person in our church should be part of that power pack event at least once, he said. I quote you on that, buddy. That was a good word. To see the opportunity that we have, that God has given our church and other churches. We have a unique opportunity. I'm telling you that churches across the world would give all they had to be able to have the advantage that we have. Praise God, we've received another three-month allowance to meet here in this building. Every single three months. We're praying about that, and it came through again. God has given us another opportunity. And God has broadened that opportunity that we're now going to be allowed to minister to the school next door, to the elementary students there. I encourage you to stay afterwards today. Pastor Billy, where would that meeting be? Okay, you go in that direction, you listen for Pastor Billy's voice, you know it well, um, and you'll find him, okay? So there's a lot of opportunities coming our way to reach into these schools. We're already delivering food over there. We're already packing food that's being delivered. Some of you are involved in, in making that happen. We're looking forward to doing a VBS, and it'll be right here at the school. We're looking forward to next semester, next year, being able to do an after-school club where we teach little kids about the Bible. These are good things. Good things, opportunities God has given us. So be there for that. Hey, just a few other things. Be praying for Dee McGinley. Bill, I saw you in the room. There's Bill. You guys probably know his beautiful wife, Dee. She's not with him today. Um, but I'll tell you this about Dee McGinley. I know for a fact that if I say, Dee, can you pray for about this? I know that she does. And Dee needs our prayer today. Dee had a surgery last week on Thursday, I believe. Is that right? And uh, Friday and Thursday and Friday, it was a lot of pain. I talked with Dee yesterday. She's doing a little bit better. Um, is that true, Bill? Okay. Doing a little better. Be praying for Dee as she recovers from this surgery and, and has a number of health complications that come her way. There's an opportunity for you to minister to her. If you go to takethemameal.com and put in D McGinley. Is that correct, Christy? Okay. Put in D password McGinley. Oh, McGinley password D. Okay. That's D-E-E. Not just a D, okay? And you will then be able to sign up to bring her some meals. And that would be an encouragement to them. So make, an make the effort to do that. I know that D has sent many of you, and myself included, cards of encouragement over the years. So go be an encouragement to her. Um, you will leave there more blessed because you served in that way. I promise you will. So uh, go to takethemameal.com. Also, uh, another item. I was handed this by a very important person, my wife. Um, She's in the nursery today, putting together a group of ladies on October 2nd and 3rd to go hear Lisa Turquist, 
Turquist. I'm not sure how to say that, but I know most women in the room know that name. Okay, She's a great Bible teacher. And uh, at IBC on October 2nd and 3rd, she's going to be there live. And so we'd like to put together a group of ladies who will go over there. There is a cost for that event. It's $21. The thing is, the tickets are moving quick. And so they would like to put it in order even today, okay? So over at the table, there's a, there's a card that has some information about it. My wife will be over there. You can see Gina McKenzie, either one of them, and they'll get you information and, and be able to sell you a ticket. It's $21 for the event. And, um, you know, it's just a neat opportunity to, to let the Lord speak to you through His Word. So just a couple things going on here and um, important times in, in seeing what God is doing in our lives. Well, let's take a moment. We've sang songs. We've, we've listened to announcements. We've, we've talked about what God is doing. Let's talk to the Lord. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we uh, come to You now. We're requesting Your Spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, search us right now. See if there be any wicked way in us. Lord, we want to be clean before You. We're thankful that with You there is new mercies every morning. So we receive that today. We receive your forgiveness, Lord. If there is sin in our lives, if there is some area that we have not submitted to you, Lord, we want to do that now in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and just, and you forgive us our sins, Lord. So we agree with you that sin is not best for us and for your glory. Now, Lord, as already has been prayed, we, we ask you to speak to our hearts and we open up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've been studying through the Gospel of Luke and we're coming to the end of it today. You may be ready to celebrate. I've enjoyed walking through the Gospel of Luke. I had never talked through the Gospel of Luke before. 24 chapters, it's a lot. There's a lot of Scripture. It's been well over a year, probably like more like 18 months we've been studying through the Gospel of Luke. Um, this thing's called a wordle. And I, I, you know, I'm kind of a nerd at heart. And, and this is, if all the words of Luke were given size by the number of times they're used in the Gospel, you can see some of the most common words used in the Gospel of Luke. Now they've taken out things such as and and the, but, you know, words of meaning. And so you can see we've been talking a lot about Jesus and God and people. The Gospel of Luke is a lot about people. And there's a lot of activity in the Gospel of Luke. That's why the word went is so big up on that screen. Because they're moving along from all over the land of Israel, moving toward Jerusalem. And we now come to the end of the Gospel of Luke, but it is not the end of Jesus' ministry in any way, shape, or form. But it is the end of His time physically present here on the earth. Where we're at in the Gospels, uh, the Gospel of Luke, that is, the, the crucifixion has already occurred. The burial has already occurred. The resurrection has already occurred. And Jesus remained on the earth in His resurrected body for several weeks, instructing His disciples. We don't know what all He taught. Scripture doesn't record everything that Jesus ever said. But the Gospel writers, through the inspiration of God's Spirit, have recorded for us many of the things that He said. And one of the things that's repeated in all four Gospels and in Acts is what we call the Great Commission. I want to just put these up on the screen. We're not going to take the time to read every single one of them. Randy and Michelle read through the Matthew account. And you can see, go ahead and put that up there for me, um, the Great Commission, Matthew's version. 
One more, please. There it is. We have the mission of going and making disciples. This is what God has called us to. That you're not just here to live for yourself, and neither am I. We're not here just to enjoy the things that we can. We are called and left here for a purpose. And listen, everything else that is there in your New Testament, everything else that is contained in God's teaching, we need to understand, drives us to the mission of going and making disciples. Why do we love one another? Why? Because while we're here, we want our love to be seen by others. So they see the glory of Christ and are drawn to Him. Why do we gather here as a body? So that we can be sent out as God's separated ones, sent out to go and make disciples. Why do we serve and why do we love and why do we bear with one another? It is all towards the mission. And all the Gospels, they all record in different forms the Great Commission. Here's Mark's version. And when you look at it, it has a little different emphasis. The mission here is, go ahead to the next one please. Mark, the mission here is almost a destination. He says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We're sent out. Now we'll skip over Luke for just a minute, but go to the next one, to John. John, again, has this great commission where Jesus sends out his followers. Here the authority is is the emphasis. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. Now I'm sending you. We are sent out by Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 1... With our next slide, here we have the power that we have. We will be His witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And so we see the source that we have to go and share the gospel. But we're going to look at that was Luke's version. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. Luke's version of the Great Commission. It's a little different than any of the others. You can read over it. But the thing that strikes me about Luke's version is this. Now we see. I mean, we're being sent. Matthew says, go and make disciples. Mark says, go into all the world. John says, we are going with the, with the authority of God. Acts says that the source will be the Spirit of God. But when you look at Luke's version of the Great Commission, and by the way, let me tell you, when I say version, Jesus said these very words. But Jesus said, Jesus taught His disciples for 40 days in his resurrected body. If you walked around and listened to everything I said for 40 days, I say a lot of words. I say, and so do you. We talk a lot. And so Luke, through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, recorded this version of what Jesus said. And notice here that, that the, the emphasis, there's a, there is a new emphasis now, and it's more so on the content When we are sent into all of the world with the authority of God and with His power, what is it that we are to proclaim? What do people need to hear? Luke chapter 24. So the Lord is on a mission and He sends us and invites us to join Him. I'm going to start reading to verse number 36. I'm going to read through the end. It's a little bit of scripture, but it's a narrative, so it'll read a little bit quicker. Let's follow through it. As they were talking about these things, these things are the things that Billy taught us last week. Pastor Billy walked through the road to Emmaus and the stranger that was there. 
As they were talking about these things, Jesus Himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. A regular, normal greeting in that day. But they were startled and they were frightened and thought they saw a spirit. This would be a ghost. They were afraid. Are we seeing a ghost? And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? The resurrected Christ is able to see their very heart and their fears, and the true inclinations of their inner man. And he said, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, that it is really me. See where I was pierced for your transgressions. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. He truly resurrected This is not a mystical, spiritual resurrection. Jesus Christ came out of the tomb where He laid dead for parts of three days. And now He comes out alive with a body that can be touched, that can be seen, that all of your senses could experience. This is Him in the flesh. And when He said this, He showed them His hands and His feet, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, He said to them, Have you anything here to eat? We are going to eat in heaven, apparently. Won't that be nice? Maybe they have little Debbies. I'm not sure, but He asked for something to eat. I think those might be of Satan, so maybe not. (laughs) Verse number 42. They gave a piece of broiled fish. All right, that's what we have to look forward to in heaven. Fish. Yeah, well, maybe. Some of the translations, some of the, some of the actually the, the manuscripts say, and honeycomb. Okay, so there will be sweet things in heaven possibly. All right? And he took it and ate before them. And then he said to them, and here it comes. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay into the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And in lifting up his hands, he blessed them. So he prayed over them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into the heavens. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple blessing God. And Luke ends his gospel there. So what are we going to do with this? Well, I just want to... Here's my plan for today. I I, I want to take care of the the remaining part of this passage. And I want to do Luke due diligence. I I want you to see that Luke is now finishing his gospel. We go all the way back to Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, we have the angel saying to Mary that you are going to have a son and he will have the power of the mighty God on high. And now here we have the end of Luke's gospel, a scene that is true great truth that we need to we need to recognize okay 
We, all, we, we have that Luke here is wrapping it up. But, but what we need to recognize is this resurrection has huge impact in our life. Let me just walk through my outline real quick. And then I want to narrow our attention on the Great Commission. First of all, we have, similar to last week, the resurrection confirmation. Verses 36 to 43. We see that Jesus truly resurrected from the grave bodily resurrection. This has been attested to for the last probably four or five weeks here at Center Point. We have dealt with this because it is a crucial understanding to know that Jesus rose victorious over death, victorious over sin, victorious over Satan. He is the victor. And there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. If God is for us, who can be against us? If He has destroyed death, nothing, nothing can ever slip through the hand of God into our life. He is the victor. It's interesting here what what Luke chooses to record. We see his hands, his feet. We see him eating. Now, there there have always been cult groups who have denied the bodily resurrection of Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that Jesus resurrected bodily. They would say it was only a, a mystical resurrection, a spiritual resurrection, They would deny the bodily resurrection of Christ. 1 John is clear. Jesus resurrected in the flesh. And for us to deny that is to deny the gospel. We need to understand that truth. So it's confirmed all the way through down to verse 43. Then verses 44 through 49, we we have the mission that Christ gives us. And before we, we dissect it piece by piece, we need to understand what this mission means. If God has given us a mission, if Jesus Christ has given you and me a mission for our life, if He has a purpose, if He has an intent, then that changes everything, does it not? It changes everything. If Christ has said, this is what I want you to do, then everything changes. My priorities change. My relationships change. How I spend my time changes. How I spend my money changes. Where I give my allegiance changes. All of my ambitions change. All of my future changes. If Christ has given us a mission, everything that we knew before we came to Christ is all new. This mission is not for the pastors in the room. It's not for the missionaries in the room. That's not who it's for exclusively. It is for every believer who follows Christ. There is a reason why it is that you didn't stumble forward in some service as a child and fall on your knees and pray to receive Christ and then boom, you go to heaven. That's not how it works. God has left us here. He's left us here. Do you know why that is? Because God is a seeker. The Lord is a seeker. You have something that you commonly lose? Me too. Wallet, keys. Every time. Nancy, where's my wallet? Nancy, where's my keys? I don't know why she assumes the responsibility of knowing where they are, but thank God she does and helps you find them. Right? Well, listen, God is a seeker. 
John 4.23 says that God is spirit. And He is seeking worshipers who worship Him in spirit and in truth. You know all those people that we rub elbows with? God is seeking them. He is seeking them. He wants to draw them to Himself. But faith comes from hearing the Word of God. And so we are left here with a mission. We, and it excites me. I get excited about it. It's not a burden to bear. It's not a consequence of being a believer. It's not something I have to do. It's what gets me up in the morning. That there are people who need Christ. And you have a role in this. Every single one of us have a role in this. Now you may not be a person that necessarily comes up in front of a group of people and proclaims the gospel. But i got news for you. That's not how most people come to Jesus anyway. It's through just one-on-one relationships. See, this is about, this is about us building each other up in the mission and then sprinting out of here because we're little Christ and God is a seeker. And so you've been remade into a seeker of people. You will find no greater joy than fulfilling your mission. Just this, way, just this week, we're riding down the road and, and there's this place where we take my son to his ball practice and there's a field where there's all these sheep here in this field. And there's this dog that lives there with those sheep. I meant to have a picture of Ray I wanted to share with you, but it didn't quite turn out. And every time the car rides by, that dog is there. <laughs> guarding those sheep. So this week, we pulled off and turned around and went back and just sat there next to that animal inside the fence doing his job, fulfilling his design. You should have seen the smile on his face, right? And he doesn't smile like you or me, but he was doing what God designed him to do. Completely fulfilled. You depressed, discouraged, down about your job, down about your life? Tired of the same old, same old? Wonder why I'm going to get up in the morning? Another day. Is that you? Embrace the mission. God is a seeker. Just to end, before I delve into 44 and on, see in verse 50, this resurrection continuation. You know, I read this, when we read it, you're kind of like, okay, Luke, what happened? They continued in the temple blessing God. Now what? I mean, did they stay there in Jerusalem? Did did the Spirit of God come on them like they were promised? Did they proclaim or did they all run away from Jesus? Did they abandon Him? What did they do? What did they do? Well, you need to read part two. That's the Acts of the Apostles. Same author. He picks up in chapter one and continues the story of what they did. They continued on. They continued on. And you and I are here today because they did. And now it continues on through you. It's like there's a writer there. And he stopped. And it says, And Pastor Lowell explained that God is a seeker. And he looked at the crowd and said, Will you seek? 
period. End of the chapter. What happens? Do I turn the page and see the life of a seeker? Do I turn the page and see the joy of pointing people to Christ? What happens when you turn the page? You get to write it. You get to write it. Fill the page with the joy of obeying his call. Now, what will you say? What will you say? Well, let's look now at verses 44 and what follows. Okay? We're now going to focus our attention for the next 12 minutes. We're going to focus our attention on the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it is. And what does it mean? And, and, and what are we being driven to? Verse 44, it says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets of the Psalms must be fulfilled. We are going to see now what Jesus has to say about the gospel, about the good news, about what people need to understand to put their trust in him for forgiveness. What does he say? First of all is this. We need to see that this has been historically his plan. This has always been the plan of Jesus. It's always been the plan of God. These are thy words that I spoke to you. I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, prophets, and Psalms must be fulfilled. This is the eternal plan of God. I was in the bookstore just the other day and I pulled out a book by a, an apostate man. A man who was a believer and has rejected Christ. And I started reading through it. And he said things like this. Jesus never claimed to be God. This is something his followers just put on him. That was the whole point of his book. I'm summarizing the book. It was a, it was a, a hateful 325 pages trying to explain away the truth that this has always been God's historical plan. Jesus didn't wake up resurrected and say, man, that's a pretty cool trick. I need to make a religion out of this. That's not what happened. The followers of Jesus did not conjure up this idea that he's resurrected and then invent Christianity. This thing dates back thousands of years. It should have been of no surprise to the apostles that Jesus resurrected. God clearly laid it out that he would be crucified, that he would be smitten and spat upon, his beard to be pulled out, they would pierce him, his arms would stretch out, he would be, his, his limbs would be dislocated, he would die there in front of bulls, he would give up his life, and then he would not see decay. That's Isaiah 53. This has always been the historical plan of God. This is not a new idea that John and Peter, these unschooled fishermen, crafted, which now has changed the world. That's a lie. Rather, it is rooted in His Word. Notice He says, Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's the three sections of the Hebrew Old Testament. This thing is rooted in God's Word. And can I tell you that they got it. They got it. When you read the second part of Luke's story of the church, you find the apostles, Peter, John, 
Then you have the deacons, like Philip. And you have the new apostle, Saul. You see them. I, I challenge you to read through the gospel, through the Acts of the Apostles and look at the number of times that they're quoting the Old Testament. You say, oh, what's the big deal about that? They weren't doing that prior to this moment. You don't see Peter and John and these guys quoting the Old Testament, but in Acts, they're quoting from Joel, they're quoting from the Psalms, they're quoting from the minor prophets, the major prophets, over and over and over. They're quoting from the Old Testament. Why is that? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is rooted in history. It's also rooted in the word of God. And they understood that because of what follows. Verse number 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. The gospel of Jesus Christ is understood through his instruction. Now he opened their minds. He opened their minds that they might understand the scriptures. You say, well, how did he do that? Was it like a lightning bolt? And they got it? Is that what he did? Did he physically open their mind? And some? No. Pastor Billy showed us how they did it last week. On the road to Emmaus. What did Jesus do? He went all the way back to the writings of Moses and explained to them how the Old Testament pointed to them. I'm sorry, to him. And it opened their minds. I get it. Do you know how it is that we get it? It is from the Word of God. It's not some zap. That's not it. It is the labor, yes. It is work, yes, of reading through the Word of God. And it's no less laborious for me than it is for you. There are many days I have to, man, i got to press on to understand this. I don't get it, Lord, but I'm going to keep trying. And I listen to what other people say, and I read what other people read, and I, I do all those things just like you. But Jesus instructs us by his word. The gospel must be instructed by God's word. It's also verse number 46. He says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead. It is confirmed by his resurrection. Write down this reference. Romans chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says this, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God. Now you hear that? Let me say it again. Was declared to be the Son of God. I say, well, I, I, I'd like to help people understand Jesus is the Son of God. That sounds pretty good. I'd like to help people understand that He is the Son of God. How, tell me, how can I do that? How can I declare to somebody that Jesus is the Son of God? Because people don't believe that. People in my world don't believe that. How can I help them to see that? You read the rest of the verse. Listen to it. Who was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by His resurrection from the dead. Don't debate with people over Bible translations. Don't debate with them over how old the earth is. Don't debate with them about whether or not this thing should happen in the church or this thing should happen in the church. Listen, all that is for in here. We do that talk in here, in the church. I will help you understand and you will help me understand these things. 
about what should happen in the church and what a good Bible translation is and how old the earth is and what does God say about creation. We will gather together and we will understand that. But out there, with the world, point them to the cross and the resurrected Christ. Keep going there. Keep going there. Keep going there. Keep going there. Go to the cross and the resurrection. Next, and I'm going to be quick here, it says forgiveness, I'm sorry, that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name. Now I want to just mention in His name, and then I'm going to go back. Okay? In His name primarily means two things. It means two things. One, it is a singular name. There is salvation found in no other name except for the name of Jesus Christ. There is no name under heaven by which a man may be saved. There is only one way to God. I know it's unpopular. I know it's not politically correct. I know all that. But there is only one way to God. And that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. There is only one way to God. Every other way is a lie. It is under the name of Jesus that people are saved. So the first thing, in His name, tells us the exclusive nature of of the message. Secondly, it tells us that we are going with the authority of Christ. Now what's that mean? It means I'm scared out of my mind when I try to talk to somebody about Christ. Yes! It means fear rises up in me of this little old lady at McDonald's who's going to laugh at me and that will just be horrible, right? Are you with me? And I don't want to share, I, in my flesh, I'm afraid I'm going to get made fun of. But then I remember, wait a minute. I'm not coming in my authority. I'm coming at the authority of Christ. I'm just doing what He told me to do. If they reject me, well, they're rejecting Him. They're not rejecting me. And if they do reject me anyway, who am I to think I'm above my Master? I'm a follower of Jesus, and they crucified Him. So this, uh, this in his name, exclusive and authority. But what I want to camp on for a couple minutes is this concept that's there in verse 47. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. Can I tell you? That the gospel transforms people. It transforms people through forgiveness. Through forgiveness, we all desire forgiveness. Every human that you know desires forgiveness. It is a a human trait that we want to be forgiven. Just this past week, I don't have my notes, I left it somewhere. There There was a gentleman whose obituary was in the New York Times on Wednesday of this week. His name was Gunther something or other, okay? German guy. He was a soldier in the Nazi army. His story was that he was conscripted conscripted into the army. He did not believe or agree with Nazism, but was forced to be in the the German military. And in the the 50s, he wrote a book called The Ten Drum. He received a Nobel Prize for it. Now, it's a strange story. I haven't read the whole thing. I just read like the sample that I got on my Kindle. Okay, It's a weird story. But the point of it is this, that humans do evil things. Well, here's what happened. In the early 90s, 
Gunther or Gunther, whatever, I forget what his name is. He came out and said, I have to admit something. I have to admit. I lied about my involvement in Nazism. Truth is, I was part of the SS. And I did whatever they asked me to do. And had a great deal of guilt. And they asked him. I mean, he was rejected. He was now hated by millions of people. Because he revealed he's a hypocrite. He's, and he, he had done all these evil things. And they said, why did you tell the truth? Why did you tell the truth? You know what he's quoted as saying? My guilt would not release me. My guilt would not release me. He's an old man now. Something happened back in the 40s. Still, he'd wake up longing for forgiveness. Forgiveness we want. Forgiveness we need. Forgiveness we long for. Forgiveness is what makes it amazing grace, right? That I'm forgiven, that I'm forgiven. Praise God, I'm forgiven. But Jesus said, we must preach repentance and forgiveness. Hmm. What does that mean? You need to know John the Baptist, Jesus himself, when they were on earth, they preached repentance. Sometimes I think in our desire to sound good, in our desire to make the gospel sound like a great deal, we shy away from the concept of repentance. And folks, people don't get saved without repentance. It is necessary. We must understand what this means. I think the greatest way to illustrate repentance is to turn around. Is to turn around. The word literally means change of mind. So it's an inner change that happens. And this is you and me walking our walk of life. I'm doing whatever I want to do because I rule my life. Oh, I know that I sin. Oh, everybody sins. But my sin is my sin. It's not, it doesn't really affect anybody. It's my life. And then one day somebody exposes the truth of God. He is a holy God who demands holiness. And I see myself. And now my knowledge is I am a sinner and I am an offense to God. That's my knowledge. But I'm not saved yet. I haven't repented yet. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not equal to God in all of His holiness. But I haven't repented. No. I take another step. And my heart hurts. And I now have an emotional change that happens. If you ask me about my sin, I say, I hate it. I don't want it. I need help. Oh, you're so close. Repentance is a change of mind. I had knowledge. Sin. I moved in my emotion. Paul says there is a godly sorrow that leads, that leads to repentance. So in my knowledge and in my sorrow of emotion, 
I then say to God, in my head, in my being, this is a change inside, and the change is this. God, I yield to you. I yield to you. I, I, I yield to you. You are my God. I, don't, I am offense to you. And I yield to you. And at that moment, there is this, I mean, huge change that happens. You now receive by grace through faith salvation. Because you understood who you were mentally and you were moved emotionally and you yielded to Christ and said, you are God, my Lord and my Savior. And at that moment, the only word that we could use to make any kind of sense is to say, you're born again. You're a brand new creature. And God then brings a spirit in and allows your life, now here, He allows your life to catch up with your yieldedness. You say, well, are you saying, Lo, I've got to be perfect? So I, 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 I've got to like turn from all my sins. I've got to list what to write them down. What I do Write them down and burn them? Is that what I do? No, 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 no. It's a yieldedness of your offense. A yieldedness of the leadership in your life. We need to see Jesus as our leader and as our forgiver. This is what we must communicate. And it is not a politically correct message. So how are we going to do it? Well, just to finish it, because I'm out of time. Know that this goes to all nations. So there's, there's nobody that you know of who does not receive this. It goes to all nations. It is communicated by people. You are witnesses of these things. God doesn't, he doesn't write the gospel on trees. He doesn't send you know, messages in a bottle that somebody finds on an island and reads and gets saved. That's not how it works. It's people. They communicate his message. It's prioritized by his call. I'm sending the promise of my Father, he says. So it's empowered by his Spirit. So he says, stay into the city until you're clothed with power from on high. I love that. I see these guys. I mean, the, you know, you always see yourself in some of your heroes, right? You, like, you want to see yourself. And you're like, I could see me like, okay, okay, let's go, let's go. We're going to run, right? We're going to run. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Wait right there. Wait? What am I waiting on? See, zeal's not enough. Your zeal is not enough. You need the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God. So what this means, you yield to Christ. Say, I am not the leader. I am yours. You take my words, you take my life, you take my future, you take my family, you take my goals, take my ambition, take my relationships, take my money, take my time, take everything I have, take my life. I'm yours. And we're on a mission. You called me to it. Folks, we got a world to reach, a world that needs Christ. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the gospel and what it includes. Lord, I thank you.